Hello, welcome to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. Over the next hour, we shall be time-traveling to a pre 1980s cinematic world and mining for gold in them there are Hollywood Hills. My name is Tosin and I shall be your host and guide through this fantastical journey. And with me are Sean. Hiya. And Sharon. Hello. Yes, and also, um, also joining us is hello to Colin Firth, who is cur- currently in Alveston Ward. Ooh, Mr. Darcy. I know, believe it or not, Colin Firth is in Alveston Ward right now. Mm-hmm. And is there somebody else you wanted to say hi to, Sharon? Yes, I want to say hello to Pat Harris, who's in Luckham Ward at the moment with a very badly broken leg. So Ooh. hello, Pat. Hello, Pat. Hello, Pat. We hello, hope Pat. we hope that the, we hope that you heal quickly and we hope that this doesn't make things worse. <laughs> so <laughs> Right, so on the show today, we are going to go through a couple of movies. We're going to kick off with a bona fide classic, a film made before 1980s that is undeniably a classic. Then we're going to go and hear what Colin Firth has to say about one of the first films he saw in cinema. Um, then we shall be going on to the Sons of... Oh, well, sorry, onto a Hidden Gem, which is a film which not many people have seen, but at least one of us thinks more people should have seen this film. And we shall end off with an exception to the rule, a movie made after 1980, but can stand proud in any era of film. So, our first film today was chosen by somebody who is not in this studio, something I always love. And that was chosen by Heather, who is who works at the cinema, at the City World Cinema. And she chose this film because, I tried to get her to tell me why, and all she just kind of said is like, I just like the conflict, and then ran away from the mic really really quickly <laughs> but that film that she chose is Casablanca what do you guys reckon Casablanca good shout yeah good shout yeah good shout it's the one I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't been covered before to yeah be honest I, with I, you. I, I am well yeah I, I, I was exactly the same I was like oh yeah Casablanca good shout but we oh yeah we haven't done that we've before we've never touched on it we've, never, we've no. never touched on it before but anyway here is a musical moment from Casablanca that the film is probably best known for, and also the line in the film, which is probably the most misquoted <laughs> line in movie history, <laughs> is definitely, definitely up there. Well, well, here we go. It's been a long time. Yes, ma'am. A lot of water under the bridge. Some of the old songs, Sam. Yes, ma'am. Rick. I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. When will he be back? Not tonight no more. He ain't coming. Uh, he went home. Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. Goes up there all the time. You used to be a much better liar, sir. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam, for all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it, Miss Elsa. I'm a little rusty on it. I'll hum it for you. You must remember this A kiss is just a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers woo They still say I love you on that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Sam, I thought I told you never to play. And we shall leave it there. Oh, the suspense. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? So... Oh, Sharon, you want to get far away and tell us exactly what's going on in Casablanca? What, why that moment has a chance thing? Why is it of such significance? Yes, it's a, me- a scene where two former lovers see each other again after a number of years. They run into each other in Rick's bar in Casablanca, and Rick is played by Humphrey Bogart, and he, what's her name? Is it Ilsa? 
Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. And Elsa comes into the bar, and they'd had uh, this passionate relationship years gone by, hence the song significance in days gone or whatever it's as time, as time goes, goes by. by. Yeah. And they'd been in Paris, and they'd had this sort of really romantic affair, but it didn't last. And then they sort of run into each other again in this you know this place you would not expect and both of their lives in a different place but they sort of meet and it's at this sort of hot bed of sort of intrigue because it's that mid second world war 1942 there's a lot going on in the world yeah there's it's a pivotal moment in the war where we don't know who's going to win i mean yeah. we look back in hindsight and think oh it's obvious you know that we were going to win <laughs> but the, the germans were such a mighty force that it was almost unbelievable that they wouldn't triumph ultimately. Yeah. And so this was filmed mid-war where they didn't know the ending. And so you have these tensions between people trying to stay out of the war, as Rick was as a nuclear American at that time, and in Casablanca, and then the war is intruding, and then their pasts are intruding, and it all comes together in this hotbed of tension and undisclosed and unresolved issues. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so no, the, well, I think that's very well succinctly put. It is excellent <laughs> to, to actually go and grab like a. So now this is a film that just has. If you haven't seen Casablanca, you will have known about scenes from the film. Like for instance, I, I spoke about one of the most misquoted lines, and which is like, "Play it again, Sam. Yeah. Play it again, Sam." And which never actually gets said in the film, but comes from this. But both Ingrid Bergman as Elsa and R and Humphrey Bogart as Rick both say, "Play it, Sam." Which is unreferring to that song. So, I mean, there's things like that. I mean, there's all these other lines, like, you know, of all the gen joints, of all the bars in all the world, she walks into mine. And it's just classic. And it's all just yeah. the delivery and everything like that. We'll what always have Paris. We'll always have Paris. Uh, one of the greatest <laughs> final, it has one of the greatest final yeah. lines of in movie history. So, but for you guys, Sean. What do you what do you think Casablanca? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Casablanca. I haven't. I'm I'm not an expert on it by any means. I think I've seen it maybe twice, probably a um, long time ago. I think it was on TV not long ago. Um, but the the bit I always remember, and I was saying Sharon about this, the bit that I found really good is in the bar when the, the, the and that's my favourite bit of the whole movie. I, you know the so whatever all the rest of it. I know all the things, but I just really really like the bar scene where. There's the Germans and they're they're playing some music and then the, all the French people start singing the French national anthem. And oh like, yeah, they all stand up and they're yeah. like, "We are beaten, but we're not." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, we might and have it's like, conquered, but we're not beaten away. And I think, you know, I I think some of that. You know, have you ever seen Tarantino movie Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, and yeah, that yeah, thing yeah. There? I, I, I I like those scenes. I like those types of scenes where there's there's tension and conflict and you yeah, know well, people are like get their dander up and they're like <laughs> yeah but, yeah because then they stand up and they sing and it's as I said it's like it's like a resistance thing. like a resistance yeah. thing but yeah. even as it's happening you're having this kind of oh my god they're gonna pay for that yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah they're gonna pay for that that's it but it's like you know it's, uh, I think that's I don't know spirit whatever you want to call it but, yeah you know there's like spirit well whatever happens defiance. we're gonna yeah defiance that's yes, the word defiance yeah. it's like defiant we don't you know you can do what you will but we're still gonna have our, our pride you know yeah but i really enjoyed I, I really enjoyed it but as i say i'm not i'm not an expert on it i should be i know because it's a movie but well no, no, expert. no I, I don't think so i think you just watch it and you i don't think you have to be an expert on it you have to watch it and you you like it you don't like it you remember stuff from it i mean i think i, I love claude rains in the movie i was gonna say claude rains yeah um yeah, he's he's great, isn't he? He's just sort of you know doing all the dodgy deals and stuff, and wars going on, it's getting yeah, it all yeah, sorted. He's, he's, he's great. He's kind of he's kind of like he's kind of like you know the sort of friendly police chief who sort of like knows that all this dodgy stuff is going on, but he turns a blind eye and he has like all these little underhand things. He's corrupt, but he's not like sinisterly corrupt. Corrupt. He's kind of like right. friendly corrupt. Yeah, he makes things work, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. that's that's and and I think. That's, that's sort of in in that particular era where all that stuff was going on. It's, it's quite admirable, really, in a way, what he does, I think. Well, yeah. uh, and the portrayal, because I think I think it's at the end of the scene you were talking about where all the French people get up and sing, and obviously the Germans come in and say, we need to shut this thing down and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, because he's the police chief, he has to come and shut it down. Shut it down. And then they're like, but he's like, we can't shut it down. They're like, find a reason. And he comes in and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe all this gambling is going on in here. Yeah. Let's shut that's it down. Right, yeah. All this gambling. There's somebody comes up to 
Shima goes, Inspector, you're winning. So he's like, thank you. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> and I think he's like, he's like this, this, because the film could actually be quite dark because obviously Humphrey Bogart is not a barrel of laughs in this no, movie. He's not. He's, he's, he's like, you know, thinking about the woman he lost. He's thinking about what he should do. He's thinking about why he should care. And um, Ingrid Bergman is in wonderful smoldering form in this yeah, film. With she, her husband. With her. Yeah, she shows mm. up with her husband. And, but yeah, obviously... Like, yeah, she shows up with her husband, but obviously she still has a thing for Rick. Mm-hmm. And Rick is all kind of like, it's essentially, this guy is going to be key to the Czech resistance to fight against the Germans. Should I, and uh, but if Elsa is not there, he is going to fall apart and it's not going to happen. So should I let the woman go and be with him to, it's, it's like, should I, should I let the woman go and be with him to actually help beat the D- Germans? Or should I say, oh, forget it, I'm neutral anyway. Woman, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> Screw Europe. <laughs> like, he, he walks around. The Claude's Range character, he, I, I like the way he walks around as well because he's sort of, he's quite small of stature, and, yeah. but he just sort of holds sort of himself, holds, it, holds himself quite yeah. well. Reminds me of the um, friendly controller on Thomas the Tank Engine. I don't know oh, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> but with a different cat. I think there's something to that. There's definitely something to that, the way he's just sort of like, the way he walks around. Yeah, that walks around. Yeah, he, he, he imposes himself on different things. And even in that, it, like, after the after that scene that we played, where she, well, like, you know, they're talking and everything, and she's, he, because I, mean, I know um, Humphrey Bogart's talking about, oh, I remember when the Germans walked into Paris, uh, the Germans wore grey, you wore blue, and all that. And he's just so sat down there, and he's just kind of, like, commenting on everything that's going. He's like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Rick's yeah. paying for drinks. This has never happened before. <laughs> I think it's quite funny. And, uh, and I think it's actually... Personally, for the, the final line of the movie, the Louis, I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. I think it's actually quite apt that it's directed at him. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he, he is the Louis that everyone's talking about. And I think it's, oh man, the film just has so many good lines. Oh, drag. it does. Yeah, it's got some, it's got some great lines. And it is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun film to watch. You yeah. know what I mean? It, I know. always, I find these films that are interesting that they're made mid-war because of the tone they set. Yes, yeah. you can't be triumphalist because we haven't won yet or what say we you know the allies haven't won yet yeah and so and they when they made this they didn't know what was going to happen yeah and so this will make so ordinary people making small sacrifices for the greater good mm-hmm. was obviously something that they were saying to people you know that you actually make a difference yeah the one by one we're going to beat the germans we're not going to beat the germans by having these mighty armies against mighty army we win by one by one you do your part i do my part we all play our part and so you can see how it's all building up this idea that everyone's a hero in their own lives aren't they so of you know when you see these characters do being that on the screen it sort of fires people up saying they can those french people in the bar can sing their national anthem and be defiant we can be defiant in our own way too yeah but it sort of mirrors what, his life what, what do you make what do you think makes this film so iconic what is what what is it that I think makes romance this film always so... sells because of the iconic set, images or? yeah they've yeah. got the images of paris, paris and you've got that's right. the, that german uniform type what thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> thing well i, I think I, yeah, so I, carry on, sure, no, sure. no, I was just going to say, remind me something later about a, a comedy sketch, which is um, which was on Smith and Jones. I think you can see it on YouTube, and it's called German Generals. Oh yeah, and it's just where they oh. they like all. Co- yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah I've seen it. I think I've that's seen excellent. It. I am it. the general. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the whole idea is that, the whole idea is that in movies you only ever get certain types of German German generals. Yeah. You get the one who's like a little bit camp. You get the one who's like, you know, really, really angry. You get the one who's like sadistic. And so the whole idea is that Griff Reese Jones walks in as a German general and it goes, I am the general general who's a little bit camp and maybe a little yes. bit gay. <laughs> and then there's another German general that goes, no, 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 that is me. I am that general. So he's essentially trying to figure out which German general, general. he which is. One, yes. Which stereotype he has which, which stereotype he is. And then he, in the end, he figures it out. He's like, oh, Oh, that means I must be the German general who seems very, very articulate, but is prone to certain fits of temper. That's it. You've got it. You've got it exactly. It's, it's a good one. sketch, isn't it? It's a yeah. clever sketch. Yeah, it's, it's a clever sketch. It's a good, but I, I think I think with Casablanca, I think the romance, because quite frankly, I think cinema, the big thing about cinema is romance. romance. It gives you like this romantic idea that you can't see, you can't hold on, and I think the fact that it's it really is quite a romantic film. So it talks about like and even the idea of Casablanca itself being this sort of safe haven that there's a war going on, but in this yeah. area you can come to it and you can forget about the war. 
So you have the Germans have taken over Paris and all that. You have French people in Casablanca. You have Germans in Casablanca, but it isn't, there's no, the the, the tension is put aside. It's just yeah. sort of like slightly pushed aside. And I think it, it, it sort of almost captures that moment in time. And it's the fact that it, it I think part of it, you, you know, you were talking about it being made in the war, and all, but it isn't a propaganda movie. No. It isn't, it isn't like a, yes, look at us. We shall definitely no. beat them. It's no, not, it's not, it's not that certain is it so yeah. I think that's what makes it interesting and I think that is a big part of great films if you think about the Star Wars movies the one that's always spoken about as the greatest one of all of all of them is the Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Back. and that's the one in which you don't know what's no, going to everything happen everything ends it's all left hanging isn't it's, it? it's all left hanging Han Solo's in his <laughs> And so like carbonite. He's in carbonite. Luke's lost an arm. (laughs) It's just kind of like no one's happy. No one's happy. You're thinking, oh my word, what the? And but people say that's the best one, just because it gives you this almost unresolved thing. And it's and I think Casablanca does something very similar, where it leaves it up and it says this might work. This resistance might stand. It might not stand. And I I think it's just it's just it has a it has a voice. Yeah, and I think it also helps that Humphrey Bogart, who was already a big star, is just on top form in the film. Yeah, yeah he he's, does. He's really cynical. <laughs> he's, he's just so cynical. He's great. I think. I think it's like it's the quintessential that Humphrey world Bogart. Weariness, yeah. isn't it? Which, yeah, it's the world weariness. I've been here too long. I've yes. been here too long. I've seen too many things. I've lost I, too much. I've, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Been here too long. Seen too many things. Lost, lost too, much. too much. And I, I, I think a lot of people probably could identify with it. I'm not sure if it was a hit when it was released, but I think, but, but for a classic, yeah, yeah definitely, I think definitely a classic. classic. And for such a romantic film, it doesn't have the classic happy ever after, does it? The 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 people who love each other the most don't end up together, mm. which is the I problem think... of three crazy people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's refreshing as well because often we think of really romantic films as films with a happy ever after. Yeah. And actually, when you think of the most romantic films, they don't. They often yeah. have yeah. a tragic element to them as yeah. well. If you don't get on this plane, you're going to regret it. Maybe not today <laughs> and maybe not tomorrow, but someday and for the rest of your life. That's so quotable. <laughs> it's such a quotable film. <laughs> oh, my word. But anyway, thank you so much for that, Heather. Thank you so much for that. Casablanca. I think that... That deserves a that deserves a repeat view, <laughs> definitely deserves a repeat view. And now we go on to our movie legend quiz, in which Sean comes up with a couple of clues of a movie legend, and progressively as the show goes on, we all that includes you wherever you are listening to this right now, try and figure out without the use of Wikipedia, without the use of Google or the internet of any shape or form. Try and figure out before the end of the show who he is talking about. So, Sean, what is our first clue for today? I think it's going to be a pretty easy one this week. Okay. okay. Born in 1930, this actor is rated number 23 on the American Film Institute's list of top 50 Hollywood actors and number 30 on Empire's Magazine's top 100 actors. His friend and co-star Richard Attenborough said if he had lived longer... He would have been regarded as the greatest film actor since Spencer Tracy. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. They, they get easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have I have a name in my head. I have a name in my head already. But that might be more to do with a director, with being a director. Hmm. Oh, mm. anyway. Mm. Anyway. There you go. So we- you got, you, you're going to have a guess yet? I won't tell you if you're right or wrong. <laughs> the only person I'm thinking of is had he lived... Yeah. Which makes you think it's someone like Lawrence Harvey or Leslie Howard. I don't know. That's the only names okay. that are coming to me that died young, but maybe too young to be friends with or contemporaries with Richard Attenborough. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'd go with, if I had to say, I'd Lawrence Harvey. I'm thinking Charles Lawton. You see, I'd have, I'd have put money that you were just going to say that. But it's, <laughs> I'm not going to say one thing or the other. I'm not going to say. I, I, I was thinking, I thought, this is, this is going to... Perhaps, you know, I mean, I, I learned a few lessons from Joe's quiz when to throw a few curveballs. <laughs> throw a few, so, yeah. Throw a few curveballs. All right, cool. And now we go on to our patient choice. So every Friday, I go into our pet ward, Alveston. Alveston ward, all the way up on the top floor of the hospital. Find somebody who's willing to tell me the story of the first time they went to the cinema. Today, I found somebody who I was actually quite surprised by. And this is what they had to say. 
60 years, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, 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 no, but even if you, if you want to talk about the day the Earth stood still and what that did, like when you first saw it. Well, it was just one of the first um, horror movie, I suppose. It's, when you look at it these days, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's just a big blow-up rubber man that walks out of a flying saucer. And uh, I remember going with my neighbours, uh, next-door neighbour but one, uh, his mother took us. And I remember watching that, and I was so frightened. I slept under the bed for about three weeks. You know, as a boy, because we never we never had anything like that to compare it with. There was no there was no televisions and things like that. But I've seen it recently because they made a remake of it as well. And it was it's it's okay. It's still watchable even today. Yeah, I think it's absolutely it's a sci-fi uh, classic. I'm just waited for the real thing to happen. You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, so, and also, just one more thing. You have, you actually have quite, you have quite a, quite a Hollywood name, shall we say? That's right. Yeah. Well, he took my name because I'm the elder, you see. <laughs> so, uh, I'm terrified. So you just want to tell, tell, <laughs> tell, tell the readers what your name is. My name's Colin Firth. So, um. Shall I repeat the bit of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, na uh, my neighbour for all 40 years was a Mr. Tom Jones. So, quite a famous road, really, wasn't it? That's that absolutely brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just telling everybody I've, I've met Colin Firth and he's been on our radio show. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, do I get commission for this? A boost? <laughs> if there's a boost, if there's a boost, we are going to come back with, we're going to come back with, Oh, no, with is, something, with royalties. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'll just get over this leg and I'll be... I got, so I've got one good leg and one bad leg, so I'll be running right in circles now. Well, no, this one's going to be a lot faster than the other one. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. No. Thank you so much, Mr. Firth. That was awesome. It was great chatting to you. And now, from the day the Earth stood still, here's Bernard Herrmann's opening theme. And with that, I think we might just have chased Colin back under the bed for another three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> because that's that's actually quite a creepy opening to the it film. It is quite a creepy opening, isn't it? Yeah, I must quite, say that. It's got, I think, but it kind of sets it up a bit. So, uh, Sean, would you like to tell us, like, okay, the day the Earth's too still, what's the setup? Okay, the setup basically is this spacecraft arrives and they're like, ooh. From an, from another planet, so they they all turn up to look at this this spacecraft, and then there's a basically inside this craft is a, a, a like an alien comes out really, but it, it's a chap in a suit, and he he says he's come to Earth to say that Earth has got to stop fighting each other, they got to stop the wars, or the galactic police force, if you will, are, are going to do something about it. They're going to, and you know, so. And there's all this stuff that goes on. He gets shot, and the astronaut gets shot, and this big robot, Gort, I mm. think he's probably the most famous thing, comes out, and they're all like, oh, and his eye opens, and off he goes, he a couple of things. They're like, whoa, 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 and then they think he's all dangerous and everything like that, but then, obviously, the title of the film, The Day the Earth Stood Still, he makes the Earth stand still to prove that he can, they can actually... Um, that they have the power they to. have the power to enforce things mm. so yeah so i mean that's basically it's basically one of those uh, i suppose around the time it's like all those 50 sci-fi movies because, you know, it was 1951 of, yeah. it was right at the beginning of the 50s there was you know lots of films came out because of course hydrogen bombs atom bombs yeah. and it was like and it was almost like a 
I think it was a good film to to make people think as well. You know, look, well, perhaps we are doing something, and if there is something out there, yeah, then, you know, we we got to stop. We got to stop, and we have now, even now, really, haven't we? We got to stop doing something because there's so much yeah. stuff that goes on. So it's really poignant, I think. Yeah, it's funny because like Colin Colin said in there, he said like, yeah, the film made him hide under the sofa, and he and he's, he actually had a line where he said, he said, and. I'm still. I'm just waiting for the real thing to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is because pretty much the things that it talks about then are still prescient today. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. still around today. It was it's quite a prescient film. It is. But, I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't know it's a horror film, but I could understand it could make people scared as a child, because you'd think it was so it close. I mean, horror. I don't know about you, Sharon. You're way too young, but and and <laughs> I was a little you. bit late in the fifties, but. <laughs> It was still that nuclear threat was still there. I mean, way up until till the seventies. Do you remember? Yes, duck I remember cover, the fear cu- of. Do you remember the duck and cover the adverts? No, do you, remember, you don't remember them. <laughs> when you hear, when you, you must know that Frankie. But I remember the, uh, things like well, not the snowman, but the day. What's the, the when the, the wind day, blows? The, when the wind blows. When the wind blows, yeah. something like that. I remember that the whole nuclear, the fear of nuclear winter. But yeah. this 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 thing I know detracting <laughs> off the film, but it's quite interesting. Yeah. When I grew up, the public information films. Where have you ever heard that? Hollywood Frankie goes to Hollywood track when two drives go to war. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you hear the air attack warning, you must. And it starts off, and there was this advert, and it showed like the family and what you were supposed to do, and you're supposed to. Wouldn't have done no good what you're no. supposed to do. Hide but on hey, the table. That's no, no help. yeah. Pile all your stuff like your mattresses and everything against the wall, and that's just yeah. Anyway, so I can imagine that this film would have been quite quite creepy you know but like we, we did the film called the the day the earth caught fire didn't we yeah, yeah, the yeah. Vein, similar thing similar similar theme man's destructive nature yeah man's yep. destructive nature but as as a film i mean it is a classic film all the critics love it i think it's rated as one of the top the the original one anyway it's rated yeah, as one of the top sci-fi films of all time iconic images hasn't mm. it i mean when Everybody you say knows. that you can picture gort yep the great big blow up the roboty guy yeah. and who essentially has a head that resembles a light bulb yeah <laughs> and then the, 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 the eye sort of thing with the light which is like the early Cylon isn't it oh, really you've got you some of the words right out of my mouth I was going to say Battlestar well, Galactica Cylon yeah yeah actually I never, I never really he, he does well, look you get he, that yeah. he's yeah. like an early prototype for Battlestar Galactica Cylon he is yeah Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's the iconic thing in the the that menace because it's that expressionlessness yeah. isn't it I think this is this is probably one of the first robots that didn't look human really in that and it didn't have an expression it was this implacable it wasn't just square one doesn't give anything <laughs> away yeah. well, and I guess it also it also set the scene for what robots looked like for a lot of the 50s yes. he, he, yeah. he set the scene for what robots looked like and what robots were and all that kind of stuff and being like this scary thing and I think even the influence of this film it shows all the way through to something like 1985 and Watchmen. Yeah, Be- definitely. Because you know this whole idea that you said about the about how long the nuclear threat hang yeah. around or the nuclear winter threat that that was all the way up into the 90s into the 80s. Yeah. And when they wrote yeah. Watchmen, it has a similar thing of the only thing that could possibly make us stop fighting each other is if something external shows up yeah. and says Absolutely. says, "Hey, you guys, but it's it's like we are out here. We are watching you. Stop fighting each other and gang up against us, or something like that. There's, there's, there's quite a few films like that. I, I, is there? I think it's called. There's a seventies film, and it's just come to mind after this. I think it's called Meteor, where the the, the Russians and the Americans yes, have to I've work together. It. There's like a huge, massive meteor like headed water. Yeah, it's got a few stars like that. Yeah. But basically, what it is, they they have to they, stop fighting and unite. Yeah, they save have the to world. say they have to instead of aiming their missiles at each other's cities they have to because they start off like all the scientists do their calculations and say well we can't we haven't got enough power to do it we're gonna have to and they ask the russians and then you've got this this thing with the russians talking oh we don't know we don't know yeah yeah yeah, it's like you've got to stop fighting each other and unite and then together you can be and i remember all the all that they need so many rockets and you've got the americans from one side the russians from the other and slowly the rockets are dropping out and they go oh we're gonna have enough yeah (laughs) iron sky (laughs) (laughs) well i think i think that's that's a good thing about sci-fi it is at its best yeah sci-fi can present situations that obviously are a bit fantastical and a bit but they make you think about oh my word this is what we're doing what do we actually have to do? And I think the the day the Earth still taps into that, it taps into the ideas that were going on around that time, and it says, 
okay, this is a solution, mm. but it puts it in such a way. It's it's a thinker. People will yeah. leave and yeah. will think, we'll and, think we'll, and wonder, okay, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. So because if you take a step back and say, if you really take a step back, everyone takes a step back and just look at what's around us and what you do. Then you think, why? If you, if someone, yeah, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why would we have the wars that we do? But we are imperfect beings and we're, yeah. imperfect we're beings, humans so and we like to blow stuff like up. To, yeah. Everybody should listen to John Lennon, shouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that, Colin. Thank you so much for that. Uh, uh, the day the Earth stood still. Great, great film. And now we have number two. Clue. Okay. This actor disapproved of gratuitous violence, nudity, and swearing in movies. But Kevin Costner has named him as his favourite actor and his main influence as an actor. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. Oh, good Lord. I think I've heard this before. Somebody who Kevin Costner is like, kind of like stoic American, all-American kind of not quite bland, but just solid. Uh, just, just, I know this one. I know this, <laughs> I know this Are you one. Sure? I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I know it, but I, I'm also sure I cannot remember it right now. <laughs> yeah, a solid American who died remember too the soon. The curveballs. Is, is it an American? But Kevin Costner. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's got to be American. He's got to be American. The clue was in the first one. The top Hollywood actors. Hollywood, yeah, actor. yeah, yeah, American. All right, but, cool. But I would have thought, I would have thought with Lawrence Harvey or someone like that. I would, I would have put money on that just for the fact that Richard Attenborough. <laughs> yeah, that's what made me think of a British yeah. actor. All right, we have. Um, uh, okay, we go on to the next section of the show, which is the hidden gem. Now, in this section, we pick a film that, well, one of us picks a film that we think this is a film that not many people have seen, but it's a great film, and more people should have seen it. Now. Sean, I saw I saw this film on Sharon's list, and okay. I thought, great, I love it when Sharon chooses a film that Sean, you know, like, that you'd expect Sean to pick. Like, oh, happened last week, and you were so like, oh my god, oh that was a film I would have yeah. picked. That was a, <laughs> and you was like so 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 up for it. And he'll have loads to say, but then you made a face that I can only, I think the the so sort of like sound equivalent of the face you made was just like <laughs> when I told you that this one was going to be on there and so that made me think that it was time for fight 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 so Sean and so no Sharon first of all would you like to tell us what film it is that you that you chose <laughs> I've chosen as this hidden gem a film by John Wayne it's called The Sons of Katie Elder The Sons of Katie Elder all right, cool. Just before we go into the... We'll take You've a made that face again, Sean. What? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Okay, okay. But before we get into the fight, we're just going to go back to your corners, get, get, get your coaches to speak to you, get a drink, get your gum shields back in, all that kind of stuff. And let's listen to some music from the sons of Katie Elder. Now, if that doesn't say Western, I don't know what does. That says Western. That big is, time. oh my. That's oh, total Western. The, uh, the funny thing is, you hear that music and immediately I'm just kind of like thinking of these classic 50s Westerns. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, you know how all of a sudden the Western seems to be making a comeback. Yeah. I mean, we've had like, you know, a couple of films over the last couple of the proposition. No, not the proposition. Um, Salvation. Salvation. Jane got gum. Jane got yeah, yeah, but <laughs> we got Salvation. Jane got a gun. Oh, hateful, hateful eight, eight. ridiculous yeah. six or whatever they're called. Yeah, um, even even like some would say the Revenant is a bit of a western. Yeah, but so we had that comeback. But I, I, the thing is, I can't see any of them having music like that. No, because that music is for it's for the heyday yeah, of the western. Yeah. Is That's right. But anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. All night, lovely niceness. <laughs> we need the yes round one, Sharon. Come out of the okay. blocks. Tell us, Sons of Katie Elder. Sons of Katie Elder. The film is about, basically, the Sons of Katie Elder. You never meet Katie. She dies just before the film starts. And 
And the film opens with her four sons gathering for her funeral, though one of them doesn't actually turn up for the actual ceremony. But the four sons have, have left home at various points in their life, and I'll introduce them. You've got Big John, John Wayne, who's a gunfighter. Yep. And he's gone out there and he's made a bit of a reputation for himself, and everyone knows the name Big John Elder. And then you've got the next son down, who's Tom, who's a gambler, who's played by Dean Martin. And he's a little bit of a, a rogue. He's a little bit of a player. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's um, a bit of a bad boy in his own way. Then you've got the quiet one, who's called Matt, who is like a shopkeeper. He's like, keeps his head down, but he's more interested in like material things in life. And then you've got the youngest son, Bud, who who has been like tricked into going away to college. They sort of set up this thing where he was accused of stealing a horse and he had a choice of either doing time or going to college. And it's basically turned out to be that it was a bit of a ruse to get him to go to college. So he, he's been away at college. And so these four sons from all these different walks of life gather. And when they come back to their, their home ranch, they discover that instead of their mum and dad living on the ranch and being sort of prosperous the way they had been years before, they come back to find that Katie had died and that six months before their father had been killed in mysterious circumstances and that the family ranch was gone and that their mother had been living in poverty mm. and did like scraping a living. And so they, the four of them decide to get together to find out what happened to their father, what happened to the ranch and why their mother ended up in these circumstances. And they all feel a bit guilty because they'd not been in contact with their mum so they hadn't been aware of all these changes in her lives. So that's basically the story. But the way I like it is because it's got humour in it. I and mean, a lot of John Wayne Westerns have humour. These 50s Westerns, again, they throw in everything. They've got the tension, they've got sorrow, but they've got humour and they've got romance and they've got, um, you'd name it, they've got it all okay. in there. And so there is a bit of a hint of romance in here. There's some comedy evidence. There's a great scene, which is one of my standout scenes from the film, is where the four brothers are getting together for the first time in years when they've all been together. And they basically get into a bit of a fist fight. Yeah. And all the different characteristics of each brother comes out through this fight. You know, there's the the younger brother who's a bit inept. And so he's like takes these wide swings and he just gets pushed aside. There's the there's the quiet brother and then there's like the two harem scarums. So you have this real big drag out, knockdown, spitting and biting and gouging fight. Yeah. And so that's just fun from start <laughs> to finish. But yeah, I just liked it because I think it's one of those films that people tend to forget when they think of the John Wayne films there's the ones you immediately think of and then this is like way down the list but for me it's always stood out because yeah I remember watching it with my dad and we were, I was all having a chuckle at the fight and some of the one liners in it okay cool and now now <laughs> we go to the other corner go to the other corner I, I, I think Sharon just landed a killer blow there that no. was a good good, good rendition but, no, no. but I'm going to say that yeah this was too comical for me this is for, for a western it was a i mean I, I don't mind the comical westerns and even even films like el dorado and films like that they have a comedy element but this was just too too silly really you know wild swings and uh, it just to me it was well i just it just wasn't a proper western i know <laughs> not a proper western you have got a bad guy this i know you've brother. got a bad yeah but it was just it was just I, I I saw it as a comedy it wasn't it wasn't John Wayne at his best I don't think I mean I know it's a, a, a lot of people do enjoy this movie but for me it didn't didn't cut the mustard yeah you see now no, this is the thing I figured right I figured that if there was going to be if there was going to be a schism between you two of you about a John Wayne movie it would have to be because for Sean there was too much romance and stuff like that that got in the way of the shooting and the killing. <laughs> yeah, that's probably <laughs> have to be like, you know, it would have to be like, because when I, when I think about this, when I think of, and I think about Sons of Katie Elder and I, I start thinking Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, yeah. <laughs> Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, the, the Western or something like that. If I'm thinking that Sean doesn't like it and, and Sharon, Sharon really, really does, I think it might be something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's quite. The, the, who's who's the female lead in it? The one that because I can't like, remember her name. You know, because she's. But there is a female lead. Bit. She's like the friend of the mother, and yeah, she said, "Oh, you should have. You know, look in the closet. You'll see she's got one blue dress for summer and one brown dress for winter." And yeah, you know, she's yeah. giving guitar lessons to it, stay alive, and you should have been here. Or you is, have, it's a fun it, movie. It's a fun movie, isn't it? But yeah. it's not. It's not. And really then we get. It's not one of these ones that has like a massive sort of like showdown, shoot down. Shoot out there is confrontation in there it because they yeah. there is this sort of greedy neighbor who had you know Greed, greedy neighbor <laughs> <laughs> 
who did get the the ranch, who had his benign up the ranch and their prosperity, and so had, you know, allegedly the father had lost the ranch in a card game, and then that evening got into a fight and then was shot in a gunfight, and it was all basically manoeuvred by this the big bad, and so they they set out to find out the truth and then to right these wrongs, and they don't all they're not all standing at the end of the film. No, all of the four brothers. Ooh, intrigue. Well, yeah. like, but then is, uh, for instance, I think westerns. We know a couple of weeks ago we spoke about Jane Got a Gun, which Jane is the new, yep. which is quite frankly a nothing film. <laughs> to be totally honest, it's a nothing film. And but it's and, and think with the westerns. I think when you have the title of the western, it kind of tells you something. So I think like for instance, the sons of Katie Elder, it kind of promises something which it sounds like it delivers maybe not in yeah. the way everybody likes <laughs> but it's, it delivers on it and it means like okay the sons that means something and yeah. i think that, that was something they had with the with the with the naming of westerns that i think the name means something and yes. jane got a gun means nothing especially after no. you watch the film but no but okay sorry you were going to say something no i was purely going to say uh, for me it was i first saw this film in the 70s when I watched it with my dad and my brothers and it was one that we could all watch together so I can understand how we wouldn't it's not like the gritty western because but that's not how we approached it we watched it as a family together so we would all sit there and we'd all laugh at different bits so Mm -hmm. for me it was a it's a family western in the way that the 50s delivered now they've tried to get more and more gritty and you get more of the violence so the Mm -hmm. violence in this is very much in a the A-team type violence when there's a lot of bullets flying around but a few people you you see people fall to the ground but it's not yeah 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 I, in that I, gratuitous or graphic I know what you mean I remember when I was a kid I used to watch war movies I used to think that when a grenade was thrown it was the funnest thing because yeah. all that happened was that you just go thrown up in the air and then you land I was like oh that looks like fun that looks like good yeah <laughs> it, did, it, uh, it never I never connected that people were dying it's no. okay so Sean I had a couple of questions for you it's like you know what makes John Wayne great okay well, what I think makes John Wayne great is when he's a leader of men. That's, that's you know, like, I mean, I mean for me, my favourite John Wayne films are the She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, Fort Apache, yep. all those. See, I love those John Ford ones. Yeah. I must admit, I really do love the John I Ford mean, ones. I mean, I just think they're great. I think that's when he has a commanding role, and that's, I mean, he, and in war movies as well. Rio Grande, which was one of my choices, was part of the, the, the Cavalry trilogy. That's right. That's a brilliant film. That's so good. <laughs> that's that's so good. Yeah, no, I know. No, like, it's just that this... this <laughs> we're just going to... We're, we're back to arm wrestle. You can tell yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. like this. It's like... <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I I do love the John those John Wayne movies. That to me, and and as as like a leader, not a, not a major leader. I mean, Sands of Iwo Jima when he does those flying leathernecks, all those he's like, you know, flying leathernecks. Robert Ryan, he's like the the commander of a force. That's when he's sort of leading. And I know he's a sort of leading Sons of Kate Yelder, but you know, it just doesn't doesn't so, mustard. So I like him as a leader of men. The the word yeah, okay yeah the, so he's like the charge. phrase man's man seems man's to be, man yeah. yeah so he just sort of stands there and yeah. you look at him and go that's the man I would follow that's that's yeah. that's what I think of his best films and so and so you think in this one he isn't quite that he's not quite that no he's not quite he's not a, he's not you know, he's just a, I suppose he leads his brothers or whatever or he's like he's the top top he's, dog with he's his trying brothers, to break it's just out top, it's just a, just top dog he's not like you know he doesn't doesn't lead a he leads his brothers. <laughs> He's trying to break us, trying to diversify. Let them out. Okay, so, cool. yeah, no, it's good. And I mean, even some of the Westerns like um, El Dorado and Rio Bravo, all those, they're, they're fairly good as well. But then, you know, he's, he's much more in control. He's like the lead person that does it all, you know. And I know, what's his name? Jake Elder, is it? What's his name in this film? Big John. Big John, that's what you said. Big John Elder. He did do a really good, which was quite gritty, which um, was called Big Jake. Yeah, I know Big Jake Do you very like well. Big Jake? Yeah, Big that Jake's a great movie. It's a great film. That's a great film. All right, okay, That was cool. a toss-up, actually, to go on my list. Was Big it? Jake. So now if you did on that, I could have talked about that all night. <laughs> <laughs> but I can understand where you're coming from with the Katie Elder being a nice family film. I can imagine, yeah, because there is something in that for everybody. Yeah, that we. Were, I remember just remember sitting and watching it, and us all having a laugh at the funny bits, and then sort of rooting for them. And George Kennedy's in it as is mm. one of these archetypal bad guy roles. Oh yeah, he's like yeah. A heavy. Bit, and, bit yeah, like these, the Quiet Man, I guess. 
Yes, yeah, that's in the one of same my sort of vein. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, we did Quiet Man choices. the other day, and it's it's done in that vein, you know, yeah, which is yeah. comedy it, elements. It sounds like it's a bit of like an El Dorado thing going on because I remember watching El Dorado, and that was like a family western for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's the same. You, yeah. that would be on the same sort of list. Okay, but but just that yeah last bit. I think John Wayne's better films is when he's the man's man. All right. Okay. In that case. Sit down. Okay. Stand down. <laughs> down tools, Stand people. Down. down tools, people. Back to your corner. Sit down. You've both done well. You've both made good cases. Let's shake hands. Let's shake hands. Shake hands. Shake hands. All right. Cool. Good stuff. <laughs> and now it is time for clue number three. Oh, yeah. Clue number three. Okay. He turned down roles in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, Raise the Titanic. Uh, you know this now, Tyler. You can see now. Uh, he also turned down Clint Eastwood's role in Dirty Harry. You've got it. You got it. I, I, I think. I think. What was number two again? What was number two? What the clue? Yeah. Number what? The clue number. Oh, the second film. I don't know the the second clue that you gave. All oh, right. Okay. Second clue. He disapproved of gratuitous violence, nudity, and swearing in movies. And Kevin Costner has named him as his favorite actor. And his main influence as an actor. And he was born in 1930, was obviously still alive in the 70s to turn these roles down. And he turned down Dirty Harry? He turned down Dirty Harry. He turned down Clint Eastwood's role in Dirty Harry. So he must have been. Oh, no, no, he would only have been around about 40 around about that time. Wouldn't he? So he wouldn't have been that old. The next clue will give it to you. Okay, I th- I think yeah, I, think I think I know. know. So I, well, you I, need to write it down and and I, I see think if you're right. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna clue. write something down now. You gonna write something some, down? I'm writing something down on my hand. Still thinking. Uh-huh. Writing something down on my hand just to see, just in case I'm right. Just in case I'm right. Okay, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Sorry. And now we go into the. I went to stop this music, not the other stuff. There. There, go away music. Yeah, we go into the bit of the show, which you call the exception to the rule. So, a titular rule is they don't make them like they used to. And in this bit of the show, we talk about a film made after 1980 that we still think just stands up proud in the any time, any time. And Sean, you've chosen an exception this week. Would you like to tell us, let us know what the exception is this week? Yep, as a creature of habit, it's a it's a war movie and it's <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. S- Save it, Private Ryan. All right, cool. Now, this is the film made by Steven Spielberg. All said, it's a World War II movie. What makes it so great? Well, it's just it's just jam packed full of action from the from the word go, and really never ceases. Um, so, and it's that's a good adventure movie. They, you know, people have gone on adventure, and the action scenes are well, I think second to none. I think you know it's one of the greatest, especially Omaha Beach, which yeah. is where it starts off. Um, the acting's great. Your secret crush is in it. Do you know that? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and as I say, there's moments of sadness, there's moments of of joy when they they find someone, and and there's just bits in it that makes you think a lot. I think like with with when they're looking at the dog tags, you know that bit where yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this film because it's yeah. so iconic. But the bit where they're trying to find, they're looking through dog tags, and all these wounded soldiers are marching. They're walking past. by, and it's they're their walking friends. by, and they're going, "Yeah, it's not him. That's not they're him." They're joking, aren't they? They're, they're laughing joking, about yeah, joking. They're laughing about it, and then and you see all the other. Soldiers sort of looking at them, saying, "What the, what you know, yeah. what they're doing?" Makes yeah, think. yeah, because it's those, those are our friends that died. Those are our brothers that died. Yeah, and also, and, and I mean, there's some great moments in it. The bit with the with the little girl, where oh uh, yeah, with Vin Diesel goes Vin up. Diesel goes yeah. and says she's going. She, you know, we'll pass yeah. the little girl down. You know, yeah, he which, reminds, yeah. reminds me of my sister. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And then the, the little girl goes back up and whack them yeah, yeah. how could you dare how you could give you dare? me away or try to yeah. give me away yeah well I, I, another thing is I, obviously saving private ryan you, when you talk about the this it's not quite the moment but it feels it feels like it was a it was a big moment for the war movie it yeah. was a seminal moment for the war movie when when steven spielberg released this all everybody was really talking about was the first 20 minutes first 20 minutes yeah that, the it, normandy yeah. landings yeah the, yeah no because it was it's just it's it's madness that because obviously, as I was mentioned before, when you have like you know war movies and how when I was watching them up and you know somebody throws a grenade and it just kind of seems like it kicks some dirt up and somebody flies up in the air and just like oh and then lands. Yeah. But this was this was the, I think this really changed war movies because it gave you that whole putting you in the middle of the thing, saying that it might be it's a great action sequence, but at the same time it's horrifying. 
because it just shows this is how mad it was. And even though you don't know who these people are, you feel every death. Yeah. You feel every death that happens on that beach. Every single person that they show, the things that are happening. And there's all these little moments, which I think is a great thing, that in the midst of all this carnage and you, Steven Spielberg, who directed, still manages to get these moments where you understand exactly what's going on. Like the guy who's wearing the helmet and then he gets shot yeah. and it dings off the helmet. And he's like, oh my God. And he takes the helmet off and he looks at the ding like, that just saved my life. And because he's taking his helmet off yeah. to look at the ding, he gets shot. <laughs> he actually yeah. gets shot again. I was thinking of exactly that same scene. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the bit like where, because Tom Hanks is playing this cat, is playing the captain and he's, he's on the, and you can see that he's almost kind of has this sort of shock where he's trying to figure out and he's, as he's coming out of it, he sees yeah. a guy who's walking around with one arm, one arm because his yeah. arm's been blown up and he's walking around looking on the floor. Then he picks up his own arm and is just walking around with this arm. And you're like, and it's just all these moments that I think totally, yeah. it totally changed war movies for, well, like, you know, I think for good, for good in the way that you look at that scene and you think, man, war that's hell. hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is hell. hell. Yeah. I do not ever want to be in one of those situations. We should never put anybody in this situation because that's just horrible. That's it. That's just, just slaughter, really. Yeah, I think you'd Which never be able to go saying. back to this sort of like romanticizing that. Well, yeah. Sort of warfare game would you? Yeah. I think that sort of marked the point where you say you cannot go back and revisit this and make it back to being like a cozy yeah. Like well, situation. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of because I I remember even even you had like war war comics like the there was a whole series of them called Commando. Commando. Yeah, Commando yeah. and stuff like you had the war comics yeah. and they would obviously make it look as if isn't this a jolly good adventure yeah. we're having going away blowing up the yeah. Jerry's yeah. and. It I was, think it was after, very much that in the seventies, like the comics Victor and Valiant and all that. They were all like good old Tommy War stories with you know everything was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think Saving Private Ryan, especially after this opening twenty minutes, that just blows that all out of the water and yeah, says, definitely. "Forget that nonsense, <laughs> forget that, forget that nonsense." And then the and even the story at the heart of it, because it's quite, it's it, it's quite. Because you know, the, obviously, the whole, the whole idea being that there's a woman, Mrs. Ryan, who has oh. five sons. Yep. They all go off to fight in the war, and she gets at the beginning of the film. There's she, a terrible scene, isn't it? At the yeah. Beginning. It's a dreadful scene. Where where she where she sort of like she's in a house and like it's sort of like farmhouse and somewhere in, in America. Oh, and the, the car, cars drive up. Don't yeah, you? the cars drive up, and you see the cars in the distance coming up. And as they're coming up, they sort of come up with like you know four packets that they usually deliver, and you just see her fall to the ground because she knows. Yeah, oh, it's devastating. She knows, when you see her, just her legs go, don't they? Yeah, I you think that's what you do when yeah. Yeah. you get bad news. Your legs go. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and she didn't scream or wail. She just folded, didn't she? And yeah. Think, oh, you uh, can uh, feel uh, for that woman. I mean, I, I mean, I think this. You know, there's a few films that that do now show. I'm, I'm another film I can think of is We Were Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've seen the Mel Gibson one. Yeah. That's a similar sort of thing where, and then. You know, the guy comes around like the postman. He's got to deliver these, you know, letters of, of you know, the, to the wives of all the all their husbands that have died. And in the end, the, the wife sort of take control and say, oh, you know, we take them all around. You yeah. can just see, you know, it's just yeah. that's a really sad thing. And and in Private Ryan, that bit particularly, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah it's heartbreaking, yeah. isn't it? It's heartbreaking. And there's the scene, it's half prisoner. We mentioned him in Unsinkable Molly Brown. He plays the general. Oh, yeah. He reads the letter from Abraham Lincoln to when he wrote to one of the the mothers in the Civil War who mm. lost her sons. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they were determined that, you know, he would get back. All, if, mm. you know, and it sort of mirrors it at the end of the film where he says, you know, you're, I'm telling you, your, your brother's died. And it's like, which brother? And it's like, all, All of them, them yeah. yeah. Well, there was there was also a case. I think what had happened is is the reason for this as well was um, there was they were called the Fighting Sullivans and there were three brothers and they joined the the navy and they all got killed. So you know all the Sullivan brothers got killed and um, yeah, I think there's a film called The Sullivan Brothers and I think mm. that's you know, that's that, that's, that's the, the the inspiration maybe. for Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, because they they get this small that, group that's, together. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. They say, oh, we've got that's this. They say yeah, that the Sullivans. Because but I, there's a film, The Fighting Sullivans, and I'm just going to mention this. And I just remember when everybody goes, "So, so fellas, what will it be? Army, Navy, Marines?" And they all and they all go, "Well, uh, the Navy." So yeah, but they they all died. They all served together, and they all died. Yeah. And then I think it was decided yeah. that yeah, it's not a good idea. But in the, I know we this country in Britain they faced that in the First World War in particular because you had the Bowers regiments where everyone joined up together from the same town and the same village and the That's same right. football clubs yeah. and the same mining clubs. Mm-hmm. And then when their, their regiments got hit you'd find that 
all of the young men in one village got killed or yeah. you'd lose mm. like in Orchard Street and Newport you know they lost wars? like four men <laughs> in the same street didn't they in the same year so it just it just it resonates with us doesn't yeah. it this yeah. story the fact that, that families you know get devastated and then if you can save one you think it's worth it to save yeah. one because they essentially put together a small platoon with um well a small group, group of soldiers yeah. with with tom tom hanks as the captain and yeah. they're told you need to go find this one remaining um ryan brother and we need to bring him back we need to bring him back i think there's a bit of a cynical bit in which the government see it as a pr a PR yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, they're like, like we bring him back. We bring him back for that. We because we so that it doesn't look like we're just taking yeah. a mother's sons away and then sending all of them to die. It's symbolic of giving America yeah. back her sons, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's kind of the whole thing about having this tiny story in the middle of this big writing on this massive canvas that's going on. That they're just traveling across France trying to find trying to find this one soldier to bring back. And I think even his reaction when they come and they tell him, your brothers, uh, they tell him, we're here to take you back. His reaction when he's like, he's essentially like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, no yeah, way. You can't just drag me to safety it, and leave all my friends here. I'm not going back when everyone else has left here. Yeah. yeah. They, they get the wrong Ryan as well, don't they? There's yeah. a scene where they get the wrong Ryan. Yeah. He goes, oh no, he was just out <laughs> You are Jack Ryan? <laughs> he goes, oh, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> They've just told him that his... All these you know, goes, dead, How could like, oh. it happen? He was in he's high like, school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he, thinks, he thinks his brother's died back yeah. home and yeah. everything. And it's like, sorry, it's not your brother. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Play, played by Nathan Fillion. Really? Yeah, yeah. The the fake Private Ryan is played by Nathan Fillion. So wow. It's, and, and I think it's, it's a great film because it, it gets even... It's Vin Diesel. And the thing is, you watch it and you don't realize it's Vin Diesel. No, it doesn't register that that's Vin Diesel in the movie because it's totally different from anything else he's ever, he's done. And yeah. he's actually like, you know, not just standing there growling and saying family and all that kind of stuff. It's it's, yeah. pre it's pretty cool. So Saving Private Ride, thanks, Sean. Great exception. Now, you have to head off soon. You have to leave us alone in a second. So we are just going to go ahead and go final clue. The final clue. <coughs> Okay, you should get it with this one. Yep. Right. He was considered for the role of Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. But it went to Marlon Brando, as we know. And this this will nail it. He was inducted into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 1999. Oh. That's got to do it. That's got to do it. That's done it. That's, That's done, done it. it. I, and I was totally wrong with the one beforehand. Oh, you was? I was totally I wrong. I had it. No, the, the one beforehand. What was the what was the clue beforehand? Number three again. Um, turned down roles and went for oh, Dirty Harry role. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Because Who? first, because first of all, I was thinking Jimmy Stewart. Right. I was thinking Jimmy Stewart, and I was thinking. Oh, but, but, but I was thinking, no, Jimmy Stewart would have been too old to play Dirty Harry. Yeah. <laughs> he, would have, he would have been way too old to play Dirty Harry. Even if they changed it afterwards, he would have been way too old to play Dirty Harry. But now when you say Motorcycle Hall of Fame, and you say Turn Down Rolls and Superman and everything, you have an idea, Sharon? Well, I'm just thinking Steve McQueen. I'm thinking Steve McQueen. I think you're right. Well Steve done, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I only got it on that last one. I was going to say, yeah, I thought yeah, I'd take the best for last. I, I can't picture it, him as Superman, though. No, I think he would have been... Played the Marlon Brando role. Yeah. Oh, Superman's As Superman's dad. father, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, who would be strong enough in that age to be <laughs> yeah. Superman? I, think, I mean, <laughs> he was just he just wanted to be a star. I mean, other roles he turned down, he wouldn't be on a bridge too far because... because um, well, it wasn't a big enough it wasn't, role. It wasn't on the role, you know, and it was Towering Inferno yeah. when they had to sort oh, yeah. out the... <laughs> where where right. he, he and Paul Newman were fighting yeah. over whose name was going to come first and then whose That's name was going to be high on the poster. And all that sort um, yeah. And... It, Another little fact there was um, he was going to be in Ocean's Eleven, but Hedda Hopper said to him, oh, don't be one of Frank Sinatra's lackeys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he didn't take the part in that. But yeah, I mean, all those parts he should have taken. The reason he didn't take, um, what was the other one? He, oh, the French Connection. Yeah. And the reason he didn't take the French Connection, because he, he said it was too much like Bullet. Right. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said it was too much like Bullet. But all those roles he could have had. Yeah, true. You know. having, uh, having said that, he did play one of um, Paul Newman's... Um, so like Paul Newman's what do you call it lackeys lackeys in the film Somebody Up There Likes Me yeah which we which is, uh, because uh, that's like one of his first things it just and the thing about it is when you think about it now knowing who Steve or Steve McQueen is you think about it now and you, you so he shows up and you're like oh my god it's Steve McQueen look yeah. at him he's a movie star I, yeah. but obviously at that time people were just kind of like he's a kid <laughs> uh, what, what I liked was the Richard Attenborough 
because you know I thought I, I knew straight away I'd put that one in there special <laughs> for you because I thought I'd throw but it was with Richard Attenborough in The Great Escape yes I had forgotten that, that yeah that's what I thought together. I wondered if people would because would, I could see I mean you're clever like that I thought well if yeah. I if I well I don't think he was dying but I was thinking of someone who maybe died in their 30s or 40s but yeah. you know he, he died young didn't 60s, he relatively yeah. but he still you know yeah. had reached his maturity and his last two films Tom Horn and The Hunter I think maybe I might have to bring them on the show because they're Tom great Horn's do it film. Tom Horn's an excellent film another western, another western. <laughs> talk about completely different type of western we will be back in a couple of minutes uh, to talk about films that we've seen in the cinema recently Sean you're leaving us thank you very much goodbye everybody but, uh, but uh, before we do that we are going to just uh, play some music from Saving Private Ryan and this is the Saving Private Ryan theme song by John Williams Yep, the theme tune from Saving Private Ryan from John Williams. That's great. That's, That's John, powerful stuff, isn't it? It really, really, really <laughs> is. I mean, that, but then again, it's John Williams. What, what else do we expect? Yeah, the man's just a genius. Just knows where to get you. He's just, just a genius. So we're out of time. So we will be back next week. We'll be back next week with some more wonderful movies for you to talk about, well, for us to talk about, for you to listen about, and for you to get involved with on our Facebook page. That's They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Tell us what films you think we should talk about. But until then, be safe, listen to your doctors, and as always, they don't make them like they used to.